This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where certain things are fixed, the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap, while everything else is just a matter of perspective. What's cracking, beer lovers? Hey, hey. Or I guess today, um, what's brewing? Because we're both having brews, but mine is just black coffee. That is true. You do brew coffee. You do brew that coffee. That is true, but it is not beer. It is not beer. Uh, I am on a dry week this week, and so um, I got coffee instead. Yep. And you're drinking a beer that you've had on here before. Yeah, so if you didn't know, Clayton, once a quarter, likes to do a dry week um, where he just checks his dependency and kind of just takes a break, levels everything back out, makes sure nothing's off. And basically drink nothing but water and coffee and tea occasionally. Yeah. So not only is it checking dependency, but it's also kind of like a, a health thing. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a detox per se. Yeah. Um, and so when it, I mean, I like this beer. We had it around. Like it seemed fitting that I didn't need to get a new beer. Um, so I'm again drinking the St. Arnold double down. Um, hey, St. Arnold. <laughs> hey, shout out. Hey, actually, beer lovers, spam them. Spam the crap out of them. Yep. Send send them the links to all the podcasts, and yep. every time we shout them out, like, do it. <laughs> yeah, we shout them out hard. Because we want to partner with you guys. It's yeah. Amazing. Wouldn't it Wouldn't it be cool to um, do, like, a live recorded episode at St. Arnold somewhere? Oh, my gosh, in like the, the tap room garden. or just in the old tap room. Tap room would be cool too. Yeah, I think I it, don't know. it'd be, it'd be flipping amazing. It would be cool. Um, we could bring all of our beer lovers out. We could do a live episode that we would then record and then yeah. post. Yeah, that would be awesome. It would be awesome. So anyways, I'm drinking it. Uh, I love it. Cheers. Cheers. Hold on. What do you think this is? Just cause I don't have beer doesn't mean I can't participate. Yeah, fair point. <laughs> fair point. Okay. So, last week we did What is the Bible? And before we jump into this episode, I, I don't want to spend too much time here, but I do want to say unfortunately, we upset someone with that episode. We got our first dislike. Yeah. Ever. And now, to whoever it was, thank you for not causing a ruckus or any of those kinds of things. If you're listening to this episode, we're grateful that you let us know that you didn't like it, but also didn't cause a fuss or try to cause division or anything like that. So, Kudos to you. That when we say respect perspectives, that is what we mean. Yep. You do not have to agree with us. No, and you can express your disagreements. Yeah, but don't be a jerk about it. Yeah. Which this person was not, and which I'm grateful for. And so this was a perfect example where, and I think we even said in the episode, like we're we're probably going to upset some people because mm. this is an area where people get real finicky. Yeah. About beliefs. Well, and everyone has their own perspective on the Bible, on the yeah. Bible, because For we're sure. all just reading it. Yeah. That's the deal. We're all reading the Bible and everyone reads it differently. Um, and that comes from here. Here's my social work brain. 
from a biopsychosocial perspective, yeah. that comes from everything in yeah. your life right. that influences how you read the Bible. You can't, you can't like, when you sit down with your Bible, you can't put on your I'm 100% objective spectacles yeah. and sit down to read the text. Well, you're always coming with your own bias. You're coming with your preconceived notions. You're coming with, with your presuppositions. It, you're coming with your experience. Yeah, and the experience piece is where I was going next, right? Social learning theory tells us that like, hey, you know what? This is how the people in my past read the Bible, so maybe this is how I should read the Bible. Right. Or the opposite sometimes, right? Yeah. We talked about this a lot in deconstruction on Let's Talk. If you haven't listened to those, go back and listen. We're all handed a faith. Yep. And we live according to the faith we're handed to until it no longer works. Yep. And then you have a question you have to wrestle with. <clears throat> do I just deal with it not working or do I pursue a road to make it work? To make it work or potentially die out fully. There are people who do that, pull that thread. It doesn't work out. I think they're the minority, though. Um, because as I say all the time, you're going to find whatever you're looking for. Sure. If you're looking for a way to make faith work, faith will work. Sure. God will reveal himself to you in a way that works for you. If you're looking for faith not to work, you're going to find any and every excuse for it not to work. Mm -hmm. um, so just keep that in mind. But... So I did want to shout that person out. I don't know who it is. YouTube doesn't tell us who likes or dislikes, but I wanted to shout that person out that we're grateful that you listen. We're grateful that you shared your perspective in disliking the post while also not trying to cause division or... And we're sorry that you didn't enjoy the content. Yeah, I mean... Yes, I am sorry that you didn't enjoy the content. We're not sorry for sharing our perspective. Yeah. So that's what I want to say. Sorry I, that you didn't enjoy the content. I'm not apologizing for where we're at and more specifically where I'm at. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, got multiple degrees working on the third. Like I've, I've thought about these things a lot. I know all the arguments on both sides. Like I feel pretty rooted in where I'm at. Um, so I don't apologize for my position. I do apologize that unfortunately you didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, and that's okay. Once again, we say all the time, it's like our motto on here, respect perspectives. Yep. And we respect this person's perspective and they respect ours. And I'm very grateful for that give and take. And I even said last week that I was extremely nervous for this episode. Yeah, you did. Um, your, your anxiety, your six was. Yeah, because we're talking about the three eyes in the Bible or in discussions about the Bible. Yeah. Infallibility inerrancy and inspiration yep um and people get real um um combative <laughs> people not playing around when you talk about those words um and according to the the main article that we're going to be talking about this with you can't have one without any of the others Correct. Yeah. You have to have them all or none. Yeah. And it's, and we'll get there. We'll yeah, get we're going to get that there. Is That's article 11. That is an interesting piece that they do. But so I talked about it before last week that one of my main problems with the Baptist faith and message, I think pretty much everything in it, I could agree to at some level. Yeah. Um, Except just the ordering. 
Yeah. The ordering of putting the Bible before God is extremely problematic for me. Like I just do, I grew up in enough fundamentalist churches that were Bible beaters that I don't like the precedent that sets. Yeah. But I also struggle with inerrancy because I know where it comes from. I know I've read multiple times the Chicago statement on inerrancy, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Now, there are people that do not go according to the Chicago statement. Yeah. And there are people that have definitions of inerrancy that I'm like, Oh, I could, I could agree with that. Like one definition I heard is like the Bible is perfect according to its purpose for what God is trying to reveal. Yeah. Cool. If that's inerrancy, I'm on it. Sign me up. I'm there. Yeah. But but that ain't what that says. This is the academic, stance yeah this um, is where the word came from and what they're referencing in, what when 1978 1978 when when they're doing this writing this and so we're going to get there first we need to talk a little bit more about inspiration yeah so the idea of inspiration comes from second timothy 3 and what what paul says which even that we are a theology podcast. Sure. We have a lot of professors and pastors and things listening. If you're not, that's fine. But you do need to be aware that there is a lot of controversy around whether or not Paul wrote this letter. <laughs> yeah. Um, Actually, um, what was it um, on Let's Talk um, this past week? We were talking about Second Timothy. And just out of habit, I just said the author um, because... It is contingent, like it's, yeah. it's contested. Yeah. So Paul writes 13 letters in the New Testament. There are several that are highly, highly contested. Yeah. The three pastorals are really contested. Um, a lot of people do not think Paul wrote those. Mm-mm. And then Colossians and Ephesians are also contested. Yeah. Um, those are the disputed letters versus the undisputed letters like Romans, versus and Corinthians, Galatians. Philemon, all those. And I, and I know that somebody's going to go and read those letters and be like, yeah, but it says I, Paul. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, you know what? I could write I, Paul. It doesn't make me Paul. No, but you could be taking a stance of superiority right. when you say that you're yeah. Paul. So that's the deal. So I do want to point out, I'm aware of those. I'm going to quote my friend and mentor, Ben Blackwell, who has been on this podcast numerous times and will continue to be on this podcast numerous more times. He says he's like 55% sure that Paul wrote the pastorals. And the 5 per, or the 6% that Luke pushes him over the edge is strictly because church tradition said it. <laughs> now, I also understand how limiting that is because church tradition says that Paul wrote Hebrews. Yeah. And nobody thinks that anymore. Yeah. Very, very so, few people think that Paul wrote Hebrews. I understand it is difficult. If you were going to put a gun to my head and make me pick... No, no. I, I don't think so. Yeah. If, if you were going to force me to pick with a gun to my head, I'm probably saying not Paul. Mm. I'm probably saying a disciple of Paul writing in Paul's name. Sure. Uh, I don't think it's pseudographic in a, like in a deceptive kind of way. Um, like what third Corinthians or the gospel of Thomas or any of those other apocryphal, like new Testament letters are or gospels. I don't think I'm there. Um, but a disciple of Paul writing in the name of Paul, yeah, I could get there. 
there's just some stuff in it, both in the Greek and in the theological implications in the pastorals that are, that are very different. Um, and we can talk about those later. I mean, truth is we could, we could probably make a, make an entire new podcast show just about the Bible and trying to massage these differences that we find in the Bible mm-hmm. and have a never ending podcast, like yeah. have a show that never ends. Yeah. Just the controversies because the there's Bible. just so many of them Yeah, because people are reading the Bible from their own perspective. So I do want to point that out. Um, when Paul's writing this letter, he tells Timothy that the scriptures are my translation, which is NRSV. It is my preferred translation. Says, verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Okay. I want to point a few things out here. I think I pointed out last episode. When Paul writes this, he's not talking about the New Testament. The Gospels aren't even written yet. John's stuff's not even written yet. Paul's the first letters we have of the New Testament. Odds are first one being First Thessalonians in the early to mid-50s. Yeah. Well after Jesus dies. So our best guess is that Jesus is born in 4 B.C., so that would put him dying. So your BC and AD thing before Christ after death doesn't actually work um, because historically the best we can pinpoint is that Jesus was probably born four BC and died um, in 29 AD. So just know that. So by the time we get to Paul, we're like 20 years, almost 20 years after or more than 20 years, because 29 to 55, yeah. we're more than 20 years later before we get the first writing of the New Testament, which is most likely 1 Thessalonians. Possibly 1 Corinthians. Not 100% sure. But Romans is like the last letter he writes. So we get there. Paul's not talking about his own writings when he's writing to Timothy. No. Peter has that one statement in the Petrines where he says the scriptures and Paul and the writings of Paul, where he, where Peter is putting them on similar levels, but Paul never does that for himself. And the Petrines, even the most conservative people date them after Paul's death. Yeah. So like Paul has no intention that his stuff is scripture. Paul has no intention that his stuff's going to be canonized. Paul has no intention that his stuff is on the same level as the old Testament and the Torah. He legit just thought he was building churches. That's right. He thought he was a church planter. He saw some crap happening in some churches. He's like, hey, maybe this I should write wrong. a letter to stop this. Or yeah. or I see some crap that's right, and I want to affirm you. Like yeah. That's what the Philippian letter is. Mm-hmm. There's one section in there about their strife between them. But outside of that, Paul's affirming all the good stuff they're doing. Yeah, but in all of his other letters, he's like, no, nah, y'all got it wrong. <laughs> it does appear that way. Yeah. It really does. Um, Except for, I guess, in 1 Corinthians 15, that's disputable a little bit. Well, no, but even there, he's telling them that they're wrong because they're denying the resurrection and he's using their own practice of baptizing on behalf of the dead to prove his point that the resurrection matters. But the whole thing there is, he even says, some of you are saying there's no resurrection. Oh, well, yeah, no, you're you're right. But he also doesn't, 
He also doesn't tell them that baptizing people on behalf of the dead is wrong, though. Yeah, but that's a whole nother thing. That's a whole like, nother conversation. Yeah. Um, he doesn't tell them it's wrong, and he uses it to prove his point. Yeah. <laughs> you do that what you want. I, <laughs> I have a practice. I have a policy that I don't make doctrines off, off one-off one off verses, uh, so I don't do anything with that, but I'm astutely aware that it's there. <laughs> I know it's there. So anyways, Paul's not talking about his own stuff. No. Nobody's thinking that when Paul says this. So when Paul says all scripture is inspired by God, he's talking about the Old Testament. Yeah. And probably, I can't prove this, but probably more than anything, he's talking about the Torah. Yeah. He's talking about the first five books. Cool. But like, that's not all of this. Now, I say that, very bluntly, and I, I get in trouble being this blunt often, and I don't mean to, but I'm just, I'm blunt. When Paul says this, I don't think he has any inclination that his stuff's going to be there. Right. But also... Paul, in his own stuff, references other holy books or yeah. sacred writings. Jude mentions Enoch. Remember, the book Paul of Enoch specifically. Yeah, yeah, the book of Enoch, First Enoch. The Paul is a good Jew. We just talked about this on the other podcast. It, that I don't is mean not that. I do not mean that to be a pejorative. Like Paul is just a good Jew. At the time, that was what wanted to be and and so they have things like the midrash and the talmud those don't go away for paul no those are still important books no. they're not scripture but they are important books and resources and so for paul scripture is something other than those books but it's very different like yeah. it's it's a holy book and it's maybe the authoritative holy book but there's nothing in my mind, especially in the way that Paul uses the Old Testament, lead me to believe that Paul would ever affirm any kind of idea of inerrancy. Yeah. Especially in Galatians with his conversation with Peter about eating meat and circumcision and all of that, and then and then knowing Jesus' own writings or Jesus' own teachings about, I know the law says, but I say... There's nothing that leads me to believe that Paul would ever affirm inerrancy based on inspiration. Yeah. Because truth is, and I don't I don't say this don't don't read into this more than it is, okay? I do believe that inspiration is a thing. But Paul's argument here is all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Yeah. Interesting. Wouldn't you say that the average sermon is trying to accomplish one of those goals? Wouldn't you say that pastors have an element of inspiration in that we feel like the Lord is telling us what we're supposed to preach? Yep. Now, don't he, don't read into that more than I'm saying. Yeah. 
I'm not saying that my sermons are on par with scripture. Yeah. Scriptures are by far superior to my sermons. But what I am saying is that I don't think my sermons are infallible. Right. I think I say crap. And then that I look back, like I go back and sometimes listen to like some of the first sermons I preached. Oh my God. Cringeworthy. I remember. So the, the very first one that I heard you preach, I loved. I was like 15. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was good. Yeah, that yeah. one was good. But I did say that Christianity is not Burger King. You don't get to have it your way. You did say that. Um, I, forgive me. <laughs> forgive me. There was a lot of grace in the church that let me preach that sermon. But I think at the time that is what you believed, and that was the tradition that we grew up in, and so everyone agreed with you. Correct. And that was the deal. I was a product of my tradition. And... But like I, I would go and preach in some of these little bitty churches and they wouldn't have music. Like there wouldn't be anybody to play the piano and you do not want me singing. You do not. I'm not good at it. So I preach for like an hour and 10 minutes. I just show up and be like, let's pray. Dear God, all right, now we're going to preach. And I would, they were, ter- it, I remember sitting in pews of churches and looking at pulpits, going, I'm going to bang on that. I, I'm going to bang on that pulpit at this point in the sermon. Like, I was just not good. My sermons, I feel, are inspired. My teachings, I feel, are inspired because I feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me in what I say. They are by no means infallible. Or inerrant. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely not. I say crap wrong. So in the same way, you can believe in inspiration, but I do not agree that the I do not agree with the presupposition that if you believe in inspiration, you must believe in inerrancy or infallibility. Yeah. I do not think those go hand in hand. Well, and and so I'm going to try to read this unbiasedly. Um, yeah, so before we get there, what what's happening? Well, let me, let me give some history of the Chicago go. Statement. Okay. So inerrancy comes from something called the Chicago Statement on Inerrancy. It happens in 1978. There are a lot of guys there that, that help form it and sign it. John MacArthur's there. Um, um, what's his name? JJ. Um, oh, my God. If I wouldn't have been trying to name off names, it... Oh, I can't remember. The guy from Moody was there. Like, there are a lot of people at Moody Bible Institute. There are a lot of people there that, that are, are well-established scholars and those kinds of things. But it's happening about the same time in Baptist life, which is what we are. We're, Wellhouse is a, a Baptist church, a Texas Baptist church. I need to clarify something. We are not a Southern Baptist church. No. Everybody thinks that if you're in the South and you're Baptist, you are Southern Baptist. We do not affiliate with the Southern Baptist. Yeah, the Southern Baptist Convention is different than the General Baptist or the, of Texas. Of Texas. Yeah, so Southern Baptist is a national affiliate. Yeah, we do not have a national affiliate. We are a Texas Baptist Church, and that is our only affiliation outside of our local association. Yeah, the Baptist so, General Convention of Texas. True, TexasBaptist.org. Go check them out. Yeah. We also follow them. they. We follow them on Instagram, so you can yeah. find them there. In Baptist life, what's happening is there begins to have this controversy in Baptist life around the same time. And a guy named Paige Patterson, 
Ooh. And a judge from Houston named Paul Pressler, who's a big prominent Baptist, they end up getting frustrated. And at this time, Paige Patterson is the president or provost. He's some academic high-level front office administrative person at Southeastern Baptist. Mm -hmm. This is before he goes over to Southwestern. Around the same time, these guys get frustrated at some of the liberalism, what, quote-unquote, they're calling liberalism. Nobody would call it liberal now except maybe Paige. They're getting frustrated with the liberal teachings around the Bible. And this sparks what's called, in Baptist history, the fundamentalist controversy. Paige Patterson and Paul Pressler lead this charge to bring about, come back to a very conservative position on the Bible. And this is all happening. And at this time, Baptist seminaries are like the largest seminaries. And so like if controversy is happening in Baptist life, it's impacting the rest of life, at least in Christendom. And so this is all happening about the same time that the Chicago statement on inerrancy comes out. So this is not that old. I mean, 1978 is when this happens and they go up to Chicago, they meet for like three or four days and they come out with this statement about inerrancy. So, now I'll go back to your point. And and the statement is broken down in in each article and it has an affirmation and then a denial. Correct. Um which is very weird, but I understand why they did that. Yeah. Um, well what they're doing is they're saying we affirm this, but, but in our affirming this that we deny this. That doesn't mean the alternative is this, which we deny. Right. So Article ten is on inspiration. Um and it says that it says we affirm that inspiration, strictly speaking, applies to the autographic text of Scripture, which, in the providence of God, can be ascertained from available manuscripts with great accuracy. We further affirm that copies and translations of Scripture are the word of God to the extent that they faithfully represent the original. The denial is we deny that any essential element of the Christian faith is affected by the absence of the autographs. We further deny that the absence renders the assertion of biblical inerrancy invalid or irrelevant. Um, in the affirmation, I'm cool up until we further affirm that copies of the translations of Scripture are the Word of God to the extent that they faithfully represent the original. I'm cool up until that point. I actually disagree with the whole thing. Oh, really? Yeah, because... In the most foundational, pragmatic approach to this conversation, inerrancy says that the original autographs, the ones that Paul himself penned, are without error. Yeah. Cool. We don't have anything flipping close to that. Yeah. We have pieces of parchment, pieces of papyri that date, I mean, like P52, P46, like some of these pieces of papyri, you can go look these up. The, when you're looking up ancient papyri, they go by P in a number. If it's a codex, it's found in a different kind of thing. But we have these pieces that we can date to around the 100s, still well after, like they're written, presuming that you have a conservative dating. And then like for a full, like a true manuscript or a codex, it's not until the fourth century that we yeah. have one. And then we have enough manuscripts that like 
we see all the discrepancies in it. For me, if inerrancy is true to the original autographs, we don't have those anyways. So why does it matter? So who cares? That's my point. Um, and I will even say, if 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 you want to know the discrepancies here, go look at the end of Mark mm. and go look at John 7, 53 through 8, 11. Yeah. They are in massive brackets in any and all Bible translations, letting you know that there's a lot of discrepancy about whether those are there or not. Yeah. That's no joke. And then as you go about reading, when you see footnotes, go read those. More times than not, they're telling you that there's manuscript variances there. Like, there are big things happening in the manuscripts that are beyond just grammar. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's inspiration. Now we need to talk about infallibility. Well, hang on. That's actually a statement on inerrancy, though. It Well, it's a statement because on inspiration and inerrancy. Well, they're using inspiration. And that's why I said I disagree with the presupposition that inspiration must lead you to inerrancy. Right. I believe the scriptures well, are inspired. What is It's Article 11. We affirm that scripture, having been given by divine inspiration, is infallible so that far is from misleading us. It is true and reliable in all matters it addresses. And then there, the denial, the last statement in the denial, infallibility and inerrancy may be distinguished but not separated. Yeah, once again, I disagree with that presupposition. Yeah. I do not think because the Bible is inspired that that naturally makes it inerrant. Yeah. I, that... Because just like in all things, we see God's activity in the world. It happens both in God's power and through humans. Humans mess up. Well, let me just let me just do it this way. I feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me to go uh, share the gospel with this one person. Mm-hmm. And I go up to that person and I start talking about the gospel. Mm-hmm. And the conversation's going well. Until I tell them, like, you're a sinner and you're going to hell unless you convert, right? Like, done. That is wrong. Yeah, that's not the way to do that. The Spirit did not tell me to do that. Yeah. The Spirit told me to go share the gospel with this person. Right. The gospel is good news. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not Um, good news, you're doing it wrong. Exactly. (laughs) Humans, error. Yeah. And, And even they, in the Chicago Statement, say that, it's not dictation theory. No. And that's a that's another thing. Mechanical dictation is the idea that God treated the authors like robots. Correct. That God encompassed them and just basically used them as an instrument to write the words he wanted. Yeah. Nobody, nobody is saying that. Yeah, nobody well, believes the, that. Well, well there are people that are saying that. Nobody in this conversation yeah. is saying that. Nobody in the Chicago statement, people that affirm the Chicago statement also affirm dictation. Let, that's let's not say happening. it let's say it like this. Um very, very few people in modern times still say that. I would I, agree. I think that's fair. I don't know of any tradition that says that anymore. I know that there have been. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think, I, I do still think there would be some really staunch fundamentalist Baptists that would affirm dictation theory. Mm. Um, if you really got that, they wouldn't yeah. come out and say it, but if you really began to ask them their understanding of inerrancy and inspiration, it would get you to that point. Yeah. Um, but those are also, and this is not a pejorative, I think those are also the ones that are led by less educated pastors and those things and, and don't know all of 
the conversation surrounding um, inerrancy. Yeah, I'm trying to find. They do have a statement on dictation in here. Um, oh, it's in. Um, I just can't remember which which article. Um, it's article eight. We affirm that God in his work of inspiration utilized the distinctive personalities and literary styles of the writers whom he had chosen and prepared. We deny that God in causing these writers to use the very words that he chose overrode their personalities. I agree with article eight. Yeah. I agree. That's one I agree with. Yeah. I do agree with some of the articles. I disagree. There is a pre, there's an existing presupposition in this that I fundamentally disagree with. And that is that if you believe in inspiration, you must believe in inerrancy. False. It does not have to be that way. Yeah. Um, second of all, I also disagree with their concluding statement. Mm. So their concluding statement is article 19. We affirm that a confession of the full authority, infallibility, and inerrancy of scripture is vital to a sound understanding of the whole of the Christian life or Christian faith, we further affirm that such confessions should lead to increasing conformity to the image of Christ. We deny that such confession is necessary for salvation. However, we further deny that inerrancy can be rejected without grave consequences, both to the individual and to the church. Okay. Fundamentally disagree. So, um, I actually should probably make a statement on this. Uh, I was having a conversation with an individual um, who would probably fully affirm the Chicago statement uh, okay. about a month ago. I don't know this to be a fact that he does, but probably Fine. by our conversation. Um, he essentially said that verbatim to me because I don't believe in inerrancy. Um, oh, that you're going to hell. Not that I'm going to hell, but that like it's grave consequences. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, bro, like I can't get there. I'm sorry. I don't think there is grave consequences. And and here's why I say that. I want to be careful here because I don't I don't want to insult anyone. I don't want to be insulted. I don't want you to insult me. This is going to be an extremely difficult conversation for a lot of people. Yeah. And I want to be respectful to different positions and traditions. When you really begin to read your Bible and truly read it, not, well, let me side note here. I think we're reading our Bibles wrong. Mm. The Bible is never meant to be read chapter at a time or five verses and you contemplate on one word or any of those. I, I think those are helpful. Yeah but you're missing the point of the Bible. Paul's letters are letters. You yeah. read them in one sitting. Yeah. They are telling a massive story. Genesis is one story that you're reading until you get to the next novel, until you get to the next volume, which is Exodus. Yeah. And in Exodus, you're then reading Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, which all happen in the same story. Yeah. And then you're going to Joshua. Mm -hmm. Like, they're stories. They're supposed to be read by stories. By us taking them and breaking them down to the mind, most minute words and grammar and all this, we're missing the point. They're telling stories. When you get back to reading your Bible for the stories they tell, you're going to find things that you go, wait, bro, something doesn't add up here. Yeah. This doesn't work for me. For instance, I will tell you my own personal ones. 
even in Paul, one of the reasons I lean more towards Paul not writing the pastorals is because of his statements on women in the pastorals. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this blows my mind. So, First Timothy two, or sorry, um, yeah, First Timothy two. The author of Timothy says. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger and argument. Also, that women should women should dress themselves modest, modest, modestly and decently in suitable clothing, not with their hair braided or with gold pearls or expensive clothes. Yeah. Interesting. We we would not tell a woman that they can't do that today, but there are a lot of people that would say the following. Paul says, "But with good works." as is proper for women who profess reverence for God. Let a woman learn in silence with full submission. I permit no woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She is to keep silent, for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing, provided they continue in faith and love and holiness with modesty. Yeah, but for Paul, in other letters, it seems like Adam sinned first, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Clearly, in Romans 7, in Romans 5, like... Adam is the one who brought sin into the world. Yeah. Because But here, yeah. it's the woman's fault. Yeah. And second, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul seems to have no problem letting a woman pray or prophesy in church. Yeah. The question is, do they cover their head? Yeah. And then if you go read 1 Corinthians 14 where he details what prophecy is, we would call it preaching today. Mm. So for all my people out there they're like, a woman can't teach or have authority. Wrong. No, we've just found something where Paul said two different things. Yeah. For instance, I'll give you another one. This is one that really struggle that I struggle with. I struggle in the Old Testament where it says that God said to kill man, woman, and child. Yeah. How does solving violence with violence actually solve the problem? God seems to be super displeased with Noah and in the generation around Noah. Because of the violence and corruption in the world. And yet he's going to bring about restoration through violence when in the New Testament, Jesus stands silent before his accusers and dies a violent death by being passive. Yeah. There are problems. Like, I have problems with those narratives. There are huge discrepancies. Yeah, I don't want to say they're contradictions because that really upsets people. Yeah. But I will say... There are big dilemmas, and that's the other thing. The Chicago statement, it bothers me. So, uh, can I just... Yeah, go let ahead. Me, let me interrupt. Um, we're getting very passionate about this, and that's something we don't typically do on this podcast. Yeah. Typically, well, yeah. typically we try to present views in a very unbiased way. Um, we have taken a different perspective um uh, on this this episode mainly because we recognize that everyone has their own view yeah right you've even just heard on this podcast me and Cullen disagree right yeah um so everyone has their own view on the bible and it that's why we're not taking a we're not trying to to hold our bias because even within people who believe in infallibility and inerrancy, 
there are differences. Yep. Um, and so everyone, every single person is coming to this conversation with bias. Oh yeah, for sure. Every single person. And so there is no way to present this without bias. Well, and, and that's the other point I would say. Clayton is right to say that we're coming with passion, but our passion should show you. Well, for people to have an issue with our passion, our passion should be showing you the opposite of where it's leading you to go. Yeah. Our passion shows you how much we value the Bible, not how little we value. Exactly. It. Ooh, yes, exactly. Actually, we value the Bible above all. Sure. Except the character of God. Yep. Um, God is first. God is first above the Bible. Yep. But outside of that, we affirm everything according to the Bible first. And then we ask, what has the spirit been active in this issue throughout church history? Yeah. Where do I see the character of God in this? The Bible is still the foundation. We still believe the Bible is authoritative and inspired. We well, just don't believe it's without error. Well, remember from the Catholic soteriology episode, we talked about Wesleyan quadrilateral. Yeah. Um, and and I said in there, I said in there that that well we we recorded we recorded two of those episodes because yeah. I lost the audio on one of them. So I don't remember if I said it in there, but you said it in both. I did say it in both. Okay. So for me, the Wesleyan quadrilateral, it's four parts. Um scripture, reason, tradition, experience. Yeah. If you broke all those into twenty five percent, they'd be equal parts. That's not true for me. Yeah. Uh, the Bible's at least 26%. Yeah. Scripture takes 26%. Everything else takes 24 point whatever, whatever, whatever. 24.333. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, Scripture's still the foundation. I just think those other things are really important, too. But, so, Chicago Statement on Inerrancy. Back to this, because I know we're running late, but this is, it's like... It's fine. It's fine. This is a have hard a, conversation. Have a beer and join with us. Because you're probably home by now. <laughs> <laughs> article 15. This is where I say I disagree with the presupposition. Because in Article 15, I said, we affirm that the doctrine of inerrancy is grounded in the teaching of the Bible about inspiration. We deny that, the te that Jesus' teachings about Scripture may be dismissed by appeals to accommodation or to the natural limitation of his humanity. Well, first of all, that's just heretical that you would even say that. I mean, of course you're going to deny that. That would be heretical. But... I disagree with that premise yeah. that inerrancy inerrancy may be grounded in inspiration, but just sure. because you believe in inspiration doesn't mean you have to believe in inerrancy. Those well, things can be mutually exclusive. They can be. Um, absolutely. I, I totally agree um, with that statement. Um, and I then just, the other thing that I want to point out here is even in the Chicago statement on inerrancy, they don't use the word contradictions. No. They use the word discrepancies. Yes. Here's what they say. This is Article 14. We affirm the unity and internal consistency of Scripture. We deny that alleged errors and discrepancies that have not yet been resolved vitiate the truth claims of the Bible. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, not yet resolved? You're How are you going to resolve some of these issues? You're saying that they're there. Yeah. That's that's one of my things. It's like you but, acknowledge that they're there. You just have a problem saying they're there. But but when you say discrepancies. Yeah, yeah. Or or they say errors. Errors. I would not say I, errors. I wouldn't I don't say think errors. they're errors. Like I, I think that's a dumb way. I think that's a straw man argument. Yeah, it is. But there are 
they're black and white stances. Clearly, on s- the same issue within within scripture. Um, yeah, if you have black and white, there probably is a gray area somewhere. But how do you get there? Well, and I think even even down to just little things like people that hold to inerrancy want to have like all these conversations about you know all all things under the sun about this issue. But like even in the Bible, there are different ways of interpreting stories. Sure. We talked about last Ezekiel fourteen, is fourteen or sixteen? I don't remember. We talked about it on a closer look in in uh, two weeks ago. I think I don't know. I'm getting messed up in my head about all this, but on on whichever one is about Lot and the story of Lot, Ezekiel in either chapter fourteen or sixteen records he interprets that story and the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is their lack of hospitality to the yeah. foreigner. But then when you get to Jude, when Jude records that story mm. or references that story, yeah. it's their sexual immorality. Yeah. Once what do you again, do? which one is it? Which one's right? Yeah. Is it both? If Possibly. it is both, they oh. should have said that. Yeah. If it was in Aaron, it, they would say it's both. Yeah. But There's a Ezekiel there. never says sexual immorality, and Jude never says lack <laughs> of hospitality. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to do with this. Also... Um, article 12 is something that we should address. Okay. Um, uh, let me pull it up. We affirm that scripture in its entirety is an errant being free from all falsehood, fraud, or deceit. And then they go, th- their denial is something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> um, we deny that biblical infallibility and inerrancy are limited to spiritual, religious, or redemptive themes exclusive of assertions of the fields of history and science. We further deny that scientific hypotheses about earth history may properly be used to overturn the teaching of scripture on creation and the flood. Yeah. I'm sorry. How, so first of all, how does that affirmation and denial even connect? Well, Um, it's a stretch uh, to get. Yeah. So what they would say is that the affirmation, the scripture in its entirety is inerrant being free from falsehood includes all things sure. history science sure, everything sure. outside what of I, just spiritual stuff yeah but what if science is mathematically proving <laughs> yeah that that's the deal and so uh, i i want to give credit to my professor at Truett right now he won't be my professor much longer he's about to retire but credit to my professor at Truett right now roger olson he helped me think about this Fundamentalist is not a, pejor- a pejorative category. Yeah. It's a group of people that reject science. Yeah. And and affirm the Bible. And that's a fine place to be if you want to be there. Fine. Yeah. But I don't know how you deal with like the proof of science. Yeah. Like there are things that science has proven. For instance, this conversation starts, I think we've mentioned this before, around Galileo and Copernicus. Yeah that the sun revolves around the earth and the whole premise, the whole reason this was a problem and the Catholic church thought it was a real problem because they silenced Copernicus for years. They silenced Galileo for years. And the problem was because in the Psalms, it says that the sun stands still Yep. or that the earth stands still starting and that everything revolves around the earth. Yeah. That that the sun stands still and Galileo said, Hey guys, math is kind of proven. This doesn't work. Yeah. It's not possible. Exactly. And so this is what they're getting at here. And this is, it's not a pejorative. 
this is a fundamentalist position. It is. Like, I, I'm calling a spade a spade. I'm not trying to upset or insult Please anyone. Please don't be offended when we yeah. use that term. That I'm, I'm just, we have to find classifications for people. Yeah. We have to be able to put people in these boxes, and that is what it is. So, I think it's Psalm 86, maybe. I'll look it up and I'll put in the show notes whatever the verse is about the earth stands still. Yeah. Which everyone unanimously agrees is not true anymore. Yeah. So, they understand what it is. Now, and here's my main problem with this. If they're correct in what they've just said in, what was it, Article 12 that you just said? Yeah. Yeah, not limited to spiritual, religious. So, Limiting it to spiritual and religious practice would be infallibility. Yeah. Cool. Even then, iffy. Not totally sure how I feel about that. Um, because in Judges, one of the judges sacrifices. He, he needs to win a battle, and he says, Hey, God, if you help me win this battle, our mom pointed this out to me the, the other day. He says, Hey, God, if, if you help me win this battle, I'll sacrifice the first thing that walks out of the door of my house when I get home. He wins the battle. It's his flipping daughter. And so he sacrifices his daughter. Yeah. I'm like, hey, maybe don't take that practice yeah, now it, into it, your spirituality. It, it is. We do need to say that in Judges, there is a running theme where the, the last verse of the chapter is, and at this time they had no king, and so everyone did what they thought was right. Fair. I mean, it doesn't say it in every chapter, but it does or say it multiple times, multiple throughout, times the book. throughout the book. But, like, I can't even get there. Yeah. Because that's, that's not right. I would no, never, it's not okay. I would never sacrifice that Ezra is, as an offering to God. That is not okay. And if I did, I dare say he would not be pleased. Well, and, and I, yeah. So, like, the whole thing there. But, but even beyond that, that statement that it's true in every element, that means down to authorship, that means down to how many years kings ruled. Yeah. You go look in Kings, you go look in Samuel, you go look in Chronicles, and it says, and this king reigned for 40 years, and this king reigned for 40 years, and this king reigned for 40 years. Maybe not. Maybe 40 represents an entire lifetime or generation of rulership. And maybe the number seven is just a time of completion. Yeah, like maybe it's not a literal thing. When in, in Genesis, when it says God created... In seven days, maybe it's not a literal day. Yeah, which is what they're leading to, by the yeah. way. That whole thing about denying science. Yeah, they want seven literal days of creation. Yeah, I'm not there. I'm not. There I either. do not think it's seven literal days. No. Now I'm not ready to take a stance on like the theory of evolution and all that. Like, no, uh, that's that, not where we're that's going. That's another with conversation. This. But, but even just reading it for what it is, day one, God creates the sun. God creates light. How do you get a day without the sun? Like, <laughs> it's not a literal day. You, you can't get there. It's, not, it's um, not a literal day. And even down to, like, I'm sorry. I've read all the arguments about trying to harmonize Genesis 1 and 2. They are different stories. Yeah. Genesis 1, God makes Adam and Eve on the sixth day. Yeah. On the fifth day, I think it's the fifth day. I don't know. Don't quote me on this. Sometime before he makes Adam and Eve, he puts vegetation on the ground. Mm. Genesis 2 literally says, before there's vegetation on the ground, Adam's there. Don't at me, bro. It's the text. I'm very passionate about it. They're not the same story, and that's okay. Yeah. They can tell two different stories. 
One is telling a story that God made something that was good. Yeah. The second story is that God made it for fellowship with humans. Yes. The, um, the whole thing is about community there. Adam being alone and needing Eve and then God being with him. Like it's about community. Yeah. I think, I think we're getting off topic a little bit. Um, fundamentally, I believe you have your own opinions. You have your own opinions. Um, and all the beer level lovers are going to have their own opinions and we're probably going to get a few dislikes on this episode. I think that's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Um, just don't respect perspectives. Let's not be rude and not yeah. cause dissension division. Yeah. Um, I'm not ready to say that 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 scripture and science are controversial. Um, you mean contradictory? Contradictory, I mean. Um, but I'm also not ready to say that science disproves the Bible and Bible dispro- the Bible disproves science. Yeah. Um, I think that there are ways to to work around that, and that things are figurative. Um, and not meant to be taken so literally. Um, and that is where I have my struggle um, with inerrancy and infallibility. Um, because, I don't know, I think that there are some times that it is just okay to say, you know, no, this was figurative language. Um, well, you don't even have to say it's figurative. Uh, the way that I like to say it is maybe Genesis 1 is not about the how, but about the what. Sure. That's that's fine. That it's not about how God made it. It's well, about what it is. That it's good. It's perfect. Well, what was that thing that you sent me? Um, oh, yeah. So Here it is. Um, it was a, a, a quote from... A tweet. A tweet, yeah. From Jeff Holsclaw. Shout out Northern Seminary. Uh, it says, for me... I can affirm the resurrection, and I also affirm that, and there's bullet points. The Genesis 1 is about something other than how long. Noah's flood was probably regional. The first five books of the Bible weren't written by Moses. The violence in the Old Testament is disturbing. Yes. Yes, yes to all. Yes, Um, absolutely. I think that It is okay, and it, it doesn't make you a liberal Christian. No this, no, this is not a question of liberal or conservative here. It, it does not. You can be a conservative Christian and not believe in inerrancy. Yeah. Um, and again, if you can affirm the authoritative nature of the Bible, you're in a good space. Yep, I would agree with that. Um, wherever you fall on inspiration, infallibility, inerrancy, it, it doesn't matter. Can you affirm the authority of Scripture? Yep. Can you affirm the Apostles' Creed? Yep. Can you affirm the Nicene Creed? Yep. If you can get there, 